John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That is the word of the Lord. All right. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, I pray that my words will be useful to your people and that your spirit will speak through me that we look at the scripture, that we will be refreshed again to see how you love us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I love this story because, I mean, we probably dealt with this uh, parable that Jesus told about himself dozens of times growing up as a child. It has a good one. Isn't there a song about this, too? I am the vine. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches. And his banner over us is love. Does anybody remember that song? I remember that was the song that reminded me I don't like doing motions while singing. That's when I learned as a child that I could not sing and do activities at the same time. I had to choose one or the other. Later in life, I discovered clapping was an issue, but that's another story. So I just want to say I um, am very proud of myself. I'm going to do a little humble brag for a moment, if you will indulge me. I transplanted a maple tree. I had a volunteer maple tree that was growing up against the side of my house in a front bed. And I moved it, and it is alive a year later. And it's doubled in height. It is now this tall. I also transplanted out all the day lilies and filled up the back beds, and they look wonderful this year. They're starting to get fuller and fuller. This one little bed has now flourished the whole backyard. And I put in two dogwoods out in the front yard, and they and the weeds are growing very nicely. The reason why I tell you this is I do not have um, the green thumb. My wife, nor I, in our early years, we would, people would give us a plant or we would get a little ambitious and buy a plant, only to bury that plant later or just throw it out in the trash. One time, my beloved threw a plant out that was dead out in the pile where you throw empty, dead potting soil things, and the year, next spring she came out and saw that it was alive <laughs> once it got out from her tutelage. But I'm here to say that not only did I plant some things that are alive still, we have plants in the house now. Kathy has become a caretaker of plants, a keeper alive of plants. So when I come to you to talk about vines and branches, anything I know is literally because I read it somewhere and I'm telling you what I read. 
But it is interesting. Jesus took this parable, this great I am statement. John has a number of things. Jesus says, I am the, I am the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread. I am the vine. I am the gate. All these I am statements that are all kind of tied into Jesus' declaration, not only of who he is, but that he is himself the son of God. The I am statements reflect back to when Moses was on the Mount Sinai, when Moses was being sent to go back to Egypt and release his people. And he said, well, God, um, who, when they say who sent me, who will I tell them? And remember what God said? I am. Our God is the one who is. The I am. Later on in the Gospel of John, there's some people who are coming to find him. Some people who are coming to arrest him. And they ask, are you the, king, are you the uh, Jesus of Nazareth? And he's re- he replies, I am. And at the speaking of I am, he knocks them to the ground with the power of the declaration of Jesus. And so here we have one of his I am passages, one of his I am stories. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes the branches in me that bear no fruit. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. His banner over us is love. So let's take a look at this. Why do we have this story? What is so unique about it? First of all, I believe almost everybody that Jesus would speak to in that day and age would understand the life cycle and caretaking of the vine, right? The vine is a natural part of a, of a Middle Eastern community, especially one that was agrarian and had to grow and raise their own food. They didn't have a Wegmans, believe it or not, to go down and just get whatever produce they want at any time of the year. And so they had to know about how you grow a vine, how you prune a vine, how you get rid of... Apparently, according to my reading, there are certain branches that will never bear fruit. Some of them grow and they are just branches. And if you want to have stronger fruit, you don't want the, the vine to waste its energy on a branch that won't bear fruit. And so you clip it off. Now, I do know about that because my father had, he was pretty good with plants, and I grew up, grew up in Florida, and so we had um, a number of trees bearing fruit in our side yard. And one of them was a ponderosa lemon. Now, if you ever had a ponderosa anything, ponderosa is just a, I don't know why we use that word, but it means big. So big, in fact, that one time a lady was visiting our neighbor from Indiana, and she saw the lemon that was growing on the tree, and she marveled at it so much, my dad just took it. Mind you, he only grew one or two, maybe three at the most. He would prune off all the blossoms, except for just a couple, so that all the growth would go into these lemons. And so she took this lemon, and I'm, I am not exaggerating when I tell you the lemon was this big. And she took that lemon back up to Indiana, entered it in a county fair, and won a first place ribbon. And she mailed it back to my dad. So he is an award-winning lemon grower for Indiana. But it, people would marvel at this lemon that was just this big. And partially it was its genetic size, but also my dad would prune off all the unnecessary growth so that all of its growth energies would go into it. And I think that's one of the things that anybody who grows or tends a vine or grows plants and and, and not just for flowers, but for fruit, will know this truth. That the vine has to be tended, the vine has to be pruned, the vine has to be cared for so that the branches might be healthy. 
Now here's the beautiful picture. In, in, this, in this picture, God, is the, uh, God the Father is the vine grower, and Jesus himself is that vine. Thankfully, we don't have to tend to this vine for us to grow. I asked the children just a moment ago, did you ever think of yourself as, um, do you ever think of yourself as, as a branch? Clearly, they, they, they weren't into that. But they hopped to it right when I said, can you make yourself into branches? They all went right to it. Here's a question for you. Do we think of ourselves as branches? Do we think of ourselves as branches? I want to think, as we think about that, I want to just to delve into the, I, the primary meaning of this vine illustration is all about who, trying to reveal who Jesus is. Jesus is the true vine. He is the true light. Late earlier, he said he is the true bread. Jesus is the true judgment. God is the vine grower who prunes. And uh, that verb to prune also can mean to cleanse, which is kind of interesting to think that Jesus used that word to talk about pruning that he would also use to talk about cleaning and cleansing the heart of his disciples. The branches that are being pruned are obviously members of the community. They bear the fruit of the condition of being in and connected to the vine. And the interesting thing about this is that the disciples are recognized by their fruits. So why is Jesus the true vine? Why is Jesus the one that we look to? Are there not other vines that are true? This is why I want us to think about, do we think of ourselves as a branch? When we look in this text, this passage, it could be pointing back to the idea that there was, uh, the vine imagery is not new to the scriptures. It's used several times in Isaiah 5 and Isaiah 51, uh, also in, in Ezekiel, it's n- numerous places to deal with a king. The funny thing about it is, in the Old Testament, when the vine's brought up, it's usually a disparaging comment. Usually it's a comment about how Israel has missed the mark and that the wild vines are growing up and choking it out. So I think for the people that Jesus was talking to, those first century hearers of this parable, they would start to think, like, of course we're connected to the vine. We're connected to Abraham. We're connected to the God of our father Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. We're connected to the God of the prophets. We're connected to the God of the Torah. The Torah is the vine, and we bear the fruit of its branches, right? You could see how somebody might do that. Somebody might misconstrue that. I also think it's easy for us in our day and age to start to think something else. If I say you're the branches and you're connected to the vine, I think that actually chafes against our Western sensibility. If you've grown up or spent any time in the Western world, you've probably caught on to our strong value of self, our strong value that we are what matters most to ourselves, and that if you take care of yourself, you'll have a better society. We have a very individualistic worldview. So the idea that we are a branch, I was gonna bring, I was gonna go get clippers this morning and cut off a branch and bring it in, but I also knew that the members of the green team would not listen to another word I said because all they would be sitting there is going, did he, which plant did he cut that off of? 
Yeah, they just looked at each other, two of them. They, they know I, I would be, Pastor, we need to have a word after church. There's no reason to harm a plant for an illustration. So just pretend I pull out a vine. If I have a branch that's been cut off, we all know what is going to happen to it. It's going to die. If we buy flowers for your significant other so that they feel lovely and special, that lasts how many days? One, two, three, four. Maybe you might get five out the right kind of flower. But once it's cut away from its source, it's not going to live, is it? You see, in our Western individualistic worldview, we are our own source. We are our own vine. We are our own roots. We are our own water and nourishment because we are the masters of our domain and we are the, the ones who chart our course. And in our culture, we have a really nasty habit of forgetting about the giants upon whose shoulders we stand, don't we? We have a hard time forgetting. We all believe that we are self-made people. Now, if I ask you directly, do you believe you're a self-made person? You will all wisely and humbly say, of course not. But I'm talking in our inner moments, our lesser moments, our frustrated moments. When we look around at the world and why can't the world be like who? Me. I know driving illustrations are so cliche, but I'm getting a lot of driving illustrations by coming to work. Because I drive 72 miles each way on I-95 or on 476 or on 202 or on everywhere, 322. I'm learning all these numbers down here that are not part of my world up there. Technically speaking, I live right off of Route 1. So I could actually take Route 1 all the way, and I threaten my kids one day after church, we're going to drive Route 1 the whole way home. And they're like, so? And I'm like, it'll take about three and a half hours. <laughs> they encourage me not to do that. Anyway, the whole point is that if we are branches, we have to recognize that he is God and we are not. That he is the source and we are not. That he is the sustainer of life and the nourisher of our thriving I started off by telling you that I'm really proud of my maple tree because I am, because it is alive and it is thriving. And I mowed the lawn yesterday and I saw new little bright green leaves on the top of it. So it's not only live, it's growing. And I literally was giddy because I have such a bad track record. But I'm also happy that thinking about the years that we're going to be in this house that Eventually, I'm going to see a, a tree that gets taller than the fence, and then it's going to get taller, and then it's going to well, block out the sun, and I want to cut it down, but that's a different story. You see, the vine loves its branches, doesn't it? The, the, the vine dresser, the vineyard owner, loves his vines. This summer, we're going to be talking about our union with Christ, our connection to Jesus through faith and the Holy Spirit. It's not that we have um, a mental list of propositions that make us into a religious sect or tribe. It's not that we have a good doctrinal statement that we can agree on and we can hold up and wave around and say, look at our piece of paper that tells the things that we believe. No, it's that we trust. We put our life, our trust in the hands of Jesus. And somehow through the work of God, we are grafted another vine picture, 
We are grafted into Jesus, into his new family, into his new kingdom, into his eternity, into his death and resurrection, into his living life, that he is living at the right hand of God the Father. And it's so easy for us to get into this idea, are you a Christian? Have you said a prayer that frankly doesn't even exist in the Bible, but we'll let that one go for today. Have you said a sinner's prayer, confess your sins so that you can just be um, moved from one category to another category? And I think it's just so easy for us to get there. By the way, I think that mindset that we have had for a long time about evangelism is just getting people into heaven and out of hell. I think that focus makes us focus on the wrong thing. For example, in this passage, it's easy to focus on the wrong thing. I am the true vine. My father is the vine grower. He moves every branch that, bears, that in me bears no fruit. That immediately just triggers our, our evangelism, childhood evangelism warning. Wait, we can get removed? Um, what's the categories? What do I have to do to keep from being removed? Bears, uh, ones that bear no fruit, okay. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You've already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you abide unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me in them bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we get to verse 6. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and it withers. Such branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Because of our history and our heritage, immediately we could take this whole passage about flourishing. This whole passage about life-giving relationship with the creator of the universe. This whole passage about the idea that your life not only can be alive and to thrive, but your life in Christ will bear fruit that will feed and nourish and bless those around you. Instead of focusing on that, we jumped right to six and said, wait, someone's getting thrown in a fire, right? Imagine if we lived our human relationships like that. What if my whole goal of every day was to make sure that my kids don't hate me and that my wife doesn't want me to just go somewhere else? That negative function, that negative vantage point, that negative, if I'm just doing just enough to try to make sure I don't get the boot, would you say that our marriage is going to thrive? My relationship with my kids is going to flourish? No. What's the real goal? I mean, there are times, some more recent than others, where you have to go before your kids and say, I'm sorry. I messed up. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have responded that way. But the goal of this relationship is that we might flourish and be a, a family that is healthy and vibrant and and one that actually spills over to other families around us that the goodness of God is evident because they see the fruits of a life in Christ. That's what I want to encourage us as we are going in this time of transition. Let us not just be concerned with the negative aspect. What do I have to do to not be cut away and thrown to wither? Rather, let's look at it for what the whole point is, that Jesus is here and we are his branches. And when we have faith in him, we are grafted into his vine. And God the Father is tending that vine and caring for that vine. That means God the Father is tending for our church. So as we go through this time of transition, and some might start to lose a little bit of focus, or we go through this time of transition and we start 
tilling the soil and start stirring up things that are, well, maybe a little difficult or challenging. Maybe you might even get some relationships in. You might come out to men's group or to women's group, and you might get challenged to become a different person, to become a little bit more like Jesus. All that is good, but sometimes that's difficult. I always thought when my dad would prune some of the bushes, I thought, I bet they didn't like that. We had hibiscus bushes out in the front yard that would grow to six foot tall. And every so often, he would just take them down to about 12 inches. And I thought, oh, one, the house looks ugly. Two, I bet they didn't like that. Friends, I'm here to admit, when God brings out the pruning shears to cut back my life, I don't like it. And I bet you don't either. But why does, the, why does the gardener prune? So that we might bear fruit. I do have a feeling that you and I can agree. We want to bear fruit. And I, here's what I encourage you not to do. Don't immediately jump to the, the fruit that is talking about is the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. While that's a great list, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. So let's see, what was he talking about here? It's that we can be a part of his kingdom. And that his kingdom, which started out like a mustard seed, is going to grow like the vine. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of that one vine that just can topple like fences? Oh, no, that's the ugly one. The pretty one with purple flowers. Wisteria. At some point, wisteria has to start out small, doesn't it? And eventually it grows to overtake everything. And I think that's a picture of the kingdom. Is that it started out small with a band of believers in the first century 2,000 years ago maybe 500 people tops when it began. And look what it's grown to now. Two billion people are worshiping Jesus this morning. Two billion people are worshiping Jesus. There will be fruit in our lives from walking with and being grafted into and being tended by the vine. So I just want to remind you that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Jesus said that if you abide in me, or if you remain in me, another translation might say, if you obey me. Jesus' relationship, our relationship to him is that we, that we respect, we acknowledge, and we obey Jesus. We obey his commandments. We obey his ways. We follow in his footsteps. You see, when we're abiding, we, all we have to do is be the branch that we are. So I want you to think now, not just individually, but think about this church. We don't have to be the new megachurch down the road that offers all the programs. We don't have the parking for that. We don't have to be the church that is busting out at the seams. We don't have to be the church that changes everything around so that we have an attractional, super seeker-sensitive service. We don't have to be, have the best programs or the best music or the best preacher. We don't have to be Tim Keller or the next Tim Keller. What we have to do is be connected to the vine. That is literally all that Jesus demands and requests of us, is that we remain connected to him. And here's the interesting thing. When we, when we start finding another source to feed us, to nourish us, to identify us, to grow fruit from. If we start growing fruit from a, a prosperity culture, we are not connected to the vine. We will wither. 
If we start growing, uh, trying to grow from an identity that we are a different fruit than we are, we are cherries, we are not oranges, we will be cut off, we will be pruned, and we will wither. If we try to nourish ourselves from a success model, we are a successful people in business, our church must be successful and we must look that way. If we're going to be the, uh, feed ourselves spiritually from all sorts of sources, if it's not Jesus, apart from him, we can do what? Nothing. So friends, here is the good news for you today. We get to abide. We get to remain and obey Jesus. That is all that we are asked. Just follow Jesus. All we're asked is to remain faithful. So let's remain faithful. Let's obey Jesus. Let's listen and learn to listen for the Spirit of God. Let's stop comparing ourselves to others and to other churches. Let's pray. Let's pray and let's pray together often and regularly. And let's commit to love one another. A new, com wait, hold off, that's next week. I don't want to steal my thunder. So you'll come back and see how the cliffhanger goes. You see, he's pulled us together to be a vine for a reason. But what is that reason? That we may flourish, that we, we may thrive, and that we may produce fruits. That is how people will see that Jesus is alive and real, through the fruit that he bears, the vine bears through the branches. Amen? Lord, we pray that you'll be with us as we sometimes have to reorient our lives. Be with us as we sometimes have to recognize that we aren't our own source for achievement or for success or for identity. Lord, help us to work through the struggles of recognizing that we are as valuable as you make us, that we are as fruitful as you build in us. Lord, help us to not over, overvalue ourselves nor undervalue ourselves, but Lord, help us to rest in you. Help us to rest in the truth that you are the vine and we are the branches that you love and that you tend and you care for. So God, if we need some pruning, help us to be ready for it. If we need some watering, help us to drink it in. But Lord, all we ask is that we might bear fruit for you and taste the goodness of your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.